0: Hey sis, welcome back to Black Woman Rising, a podcast about growing and leveling up with the life lessons I, and eventually some friends and fam, have learned in the hopes that you can avoid, commiserate, or rejoice in them with us. I'm your host, Olivia, now let's get into it. All right, all right. Hello again, beautiful people. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. So, today I'm going to be talking about authenticity and what it means to be authentic and how you can do better as I am doing better with making sure that you are the you that you want to be in the room. What authenticity means to me is who you are at your core. So at my core, there are, what is this, one, two, three, four, five things that I truly care about. God, my family and friends, being black and a part of the black community, music and mixed martial arts, and reading and writing. Why I group. Those last two sets of things together, I may never know, but just know that they're in there. Now, who I am at my core and the things that I value at my core are not going to change. What will change is the way that I move through a room or I move through situations. And me moving through a room or moving through a situation does not mean that I deny myself any parts of those core interests or core passions that I have. What it does mean is that I go into a new space open-minded about other things and other people's ideas and thoughts and passions, but I don't have to deny my own. And where I think a lot of people fail at being authentic, and I know fail is a very harsh word, but I do think a lot of people fail at being authentic, is when they feel like they have to be a chameleon and they have to force themselves to fit into a group or to fit in somewhere where they know they won't fit. It's like the kid's game with the cutout shapes and you have to put the corresponding block or circle or triangle into the cutout. So you essentially are a circle and your circle behind is trying to get into the square cut out and it's just not going to work because that's not who you are. And when you try and do that, it's not just you trying to force yourself into that space you're not going to fit. You're also denying yourself those core pieces of yourself that make you you, that are the authentic you. And I think authenticity isn't just trying to be something you're not it's also denying what you are if that I hope that makes sense to you so one of the things I admittedly struggle with is being consistently authentic so my friends my family the people closest to me always see my most authentic self I think it should kind of always be that way but Particularly when I started working, I understood that I had to fit a certain mold and I had to be a certain way in order to progress and in order to get the kinds of opportunities it was that I wanted for my career at the time. And it was advantageous in the sense of me networking and getting to know more people and eventually getting the bag and getting more money. But it was disadvantageous because I do feel like it was much more draining to try and be somebody that I thought that I had to be in order to get all of those things and to be to be clear to be fair I didn't have to do that <laughs> so not only did I not have to do that I was in this exhaustive cycle of trying to be more like the co-workers who I had almost absolutely nothing in common with and then get upset with myself myself more than anyone else really when I wasn't meshing with them very well. Like, I didn't like the same things. Half the times, they'd be talking about songs that I had never heard of before. I don't listen to pop radio. I don't listen to Z100 all the time. You know, I'm a Hot 97 girl. So everything that they were talking about just kind of went Phew. Right over my head. And what I'm saying, (laughs) I guess, in a very long winded way, is if I had just embraced the fact that that was not me earlier on, instead of trying to force myself into that culture in another way, whether it be by speaking a certain way or by forcing myself to watch or listen to shows and music and podcasts and things that I didn't give a crap about I think I would have been much happier much younger much earlier at least in my career because I wasn't trying to force myself into a life that wasn't for me (laughs) not that I'm for the streets but (laughs) I'm not for a buttoned up corporate nine to five every single day of my life that's not quite me either not so black and white anyway so as I progressed in my career, I also progressed in my mindset and also in my pro blackness, I'll say. I don't think I'm radical. I think I'm I think I'm pretty moderate, more maybe leaning more on the radical side, but I think I'm pretty moderate pro black. So I struggled Very much in trying to fit this mold at work where I felt like I had to be mm, kind of vanilla, I'll say. And vanilla meaning plain Jane, black girl, not not pro-black, not pro-white, not pro-anything, just kind of there. And understanding that half of these people wouldn't give a crap about me if I were one of those people on the news that were slain by the police. So that was... That was hard to juggle, and it was hard to juggle because I felt constantly afraid of losing my job for speaking out about things that bothered me, particularly things that bothered me in the office. So in one job, I'll never forget, I started wearing wigs, and I still occasionally wear wigs. It's been a while since I've put one on. Maybe I'll put one on. Let me not... (laughs) get too off tangent here, but I started wearing wigs and the first thing one of the people that ran that office said to me was that my hair looked great and I should keep doing that to my hair and I should only wear it that way. So to describe for you, this wig was a straight wig. I think it was like black and maybe had a couple of brown streaks in it, very subtle, but also past shoulder length, not super long, just moderate, like just maybe at below the collarbone. And my first thought was, well, every other day, I pretty much wear a bun. So what are are you saying? I either wear a bun, my hair was curly, there was a point in time where my hair was pretty short, too, because I had done a big chop twice, essentially, so I... (laughs) I just looked at this person like okay (laughs) and I didn't know what to make of it but my behind continued to wear those wigs and I enjoyed I think a part of me enjoyed the acceptance that came along with me wearing a wig and fitting in a little bit more instead of kind of feeling like awkward black girl in the office now mind you there were only maybe three of us at most in that office of, of everyone there. So that was, already, that was already an issue in and of itself. And at no point do I ever think there were any black men in that office. So take from that what you, what you will. I didn't say anything then. And time kind of went on. I heard from some people Co-workers, that before they got to know me that they thought that I was intimidating. (laughs) If you know me I feel like I'm the least intimidating person on the face of this planet. At least if if I don't open my mouth I think I'm pretty not intimidating. If I open my mouth maybe I am because I'm a little blunt but (laughs) I kind of let that slide too because I said oh you know what I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to alienate myself any further, so let me kind of just go along with all this. Basically, what I'm getting at is there are just tons, well, excuse me, there were just tons of microaggressions that I had let go because I didn't want my career to suffer and I didn't want to keep feeling as alienated as I did because that was very hard for somebody like me who at the time was very social. I'm not very social. Now I could kind of care less, but back then at the time when I was very social, I wanted to be around people. I wanted to meet people and hang out and have friends. So it was a very defining point in my life in hindsight. And I say defining because if I knew then what I know now, I would have said something along the lines of, well, what do you mean by that? For somebody who had something to say about how my hair looked great. Why does it look so great? What What is it that I should be doing more of? Or for the people who said that I was intimidating, what do you mean by that? Was it a look that I gave? Was it something I said? Was it something I did? Can you elaborate? And I think... Once you start asking more clarifying questions, it makes the other person a lot more uncomfortable because it holds them accountable to a degree that they may have not been held accountable before. And I think that by asking those clarifying questions, it would have allowed me to be my authentic self because I wouldn't be denying the part of me that was offended, the blackness in me that was offended, because I know that those comments were only made because I'm black, I have curly hair, kinky curly hair, and there's a stereotype that black women are intimidating. But had I stood in power and authenticity, I would have felt more at ease asking those kinds of questions and really holding people accountable for their own actions and words. So in the sense of the job where I was trying to fit in with these people that I just didn't fit in with, I didn't do any of the things that they did. Maybe not any. But I didn't do most of the things that they did. We we didn't listen to the same music most of the time. I don't even think we ate the same foods most of the time. <laughs> but where you can bring... Authenticity to those moments is finding the few things that you do have in common or or having genuine discussions around the things that you don't have in common to maybe discover something that you do have in common. And that's a good way to not only stay open minded and be be pliable and able to continue learning and growing and experiencing new things. But it's also making sure that you're not denying yourself and that you're not being inauthentic or you're not being true to yourself. And one thing I do want to say, particularly in regard to code switching. So I agree and disagree with code switching to an extent. If anyone who knows me is listening they know that if i'm really mad i'm not going to speak in in proper english most of the time or i'm i'm going to revert to the the typical street slang that i that i use on a day to day but if i'm let's say i'm anywhere between a 2 and an 8 <laughs> i can get my feelings across to you and still be pretty articulate about them i'll be biting but I can still be pretty articulate to where anyone, black, brown, white, yellow, purple, red, any anyone can understand what I'm saying. <laughs> and there's that's not me code-switching as I'm angry. That's just me being angry and articulating my point a certain way. And I don't consider that to be code-switching because sometimes I speak properly. Well, what traditionally is considered proper English and there's nothing wrong with that. I like the duality of being able to speak to speak white as some people say and be able to to kick it and talk however I normally talk with with my friends and family and there's nothing wrong with being able to do both. I think we get so caught up in what blackness should look like or what we think it should look like that we start classifying certain things as code switching that just aren't. So I think we kind of need to understand when we're code switching and when we're just being ourselves. And I think that that's something that's very hard to do as a a Black person, but especially as a young Black person, because you're still kind of finding your voice and you're still kind of coming into who you are. I don't want to say find because that implies that you've lost it. You haven't lost anything. You're just really refining who you are, especially in your early 20s. So code switching is when you feel the need to be a certain way around certain people. And you feeling the need to be a certain way around certain people and you actually needing to be a certain way around certain people are two different things. I think the main culprit of us code switching is at work, in which I sometimes agree it's necessary. And I think the other time is when we're just in new environments. When we're in new environments with mixed company. And this can be work-related, it can be non-work-related, but I think we do not only ourselves a disservice, but whoever we're with a disservice by constantly feeling the need to code switch. Because that doesn't really open the floor for honest conversations, right? And to quickly backtrack, the time I think it is okay to code switch is when you're at work and you have to be a professional. So that can mean speaking clearly. If you're giving a presentation, that can mean you use a certain vernacular or particular terms that are specific to your industry that you wouldn't normally go around saying with your friends. And that's not code switching. That's just called being a professional and knowing when to speak a certain way and how to speak to a certain audience for your career. So one of my friends posted on social media. Shout out to her. Hold on. I'm going to tell you exactly what was said, if I can find it now. Bloop bloop. Okay, and it was essentially around colloquialisms and how people get upset when they use colloquialisms and shouldn't have to explain what it is that the colloquialism means because they don't want to have to code switch in this age and society. And, oh shoot, I didn't comment on this. She's probably going to hear this before I... I'm going to comment on this and then she's going to hear this episode. But what I think is happening there, it's not that you need to change you using colloquialisms. I think you still use the colloquialisms. I don't think you have to code switch in order to get your point across. I think the onus should then be on whoever is trying to interpret what the heck you're saying to ask that clarifying question of can you explain what this means. I have no problem (laughs) telling somebody if I don't know what the heck they're talking about. And I think that that's authentic. I think it's authentic when you can sit back and look at somebody and say, I don't have a clue what you're saying. I don't understand anything that just came out of your mouth. And I respect that. I respect that so much more than somebody who just kind of nods along or BS's their way through and doesn't understand anything that's going on because they're so hung up on a word or a phrase or something that... They just didn't understand that they could have asked the question about. And I think that that part is inauthentic because we're trying to portray ourselves as knowing more than we know. And I think part of authenticity is humbling yourself. So part of authenticity is humbling yourself and understanding that you don't have all the answers. You will never have all the answers. And that's okay. And it's nice to ask. It's nice to... Be true to yourself and, and others and let them know you don't know everything so that way other people feel more comfortable being the, their authentic selves as well and admitting when they don't know something or when they don't have all the answers. And I think when we all do our part to be a little bit more authentic, then we can have some some really interesting and potentially potentially triggering but hopefully forward-moving conversations on what true thought diversity is and what diversity should look like in any given space, a workspace, an educational space, in personal spaces, and what the benefits of having diverse spaces and diverse conversations and diverse thought are. Because if we continue to be inauthentic or disingenuous or Just not ourselves. We deny the world a new way of thinking or a new way of seeing something because no two people will ever in life experience something the same exact way. Even if, let's say, you have a set of twins going through life, they won't even see life and all their experiences the same way. Hey, fam. This podcast was launched using Anchor. I actually heard about it on YouTube since it was recommended for podcast beginners. Here are the top features for me, the beginner. (laughs) It's free to use, meaning there are no hidden fees. They'll distribute your podcast to other platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast for you. It's an all-in-one service, so you can record, edit, and post from your desktop or phone, in addition to having guests from your desktop or phone. Plus, you can earn money with absolutely no minimum listenership. That means you can get started earning money with one listener. If you were ever thinking of starting a podcast, now's the time. Don't believe me? Check out the free Anchor app or head to anchor.fm to get started you've seen, what is the name of that movie? With Lakeith Stanfield. Sorry to bother you. (laughs) Okay. So I think the movie Sorry to Bother You, before it goes left with the horse people and everything at the end, is a really good representation of not just code switching, but not being your authentic self and understanding what it means to stand for something and what it means to stand for yourself and not get so absorbed in whether it be money or clout, just understanding that you are a person, you have values, and it is okay to speak on those values and to speak with authority and with pride on whether it be where you've come from, your family, where you're going, or just your friends, your group of friends. Okay, so we did a lot of talk of being inauthentic and what it is to be authentic, but how do you actually be authentic? So I think it starts by putting yourself out there. If you haven't listened to my episode on putting yourself out there, which I believe is episode number four, you should probably listen to that first and figure out the best way to start putting your work out there, putting yourself out there on display in a sense. And By doing that, you kind of just get more comfortable in your voice and come into your own in a way that just staying in your bubble to yourself won't allow. And it's not that you have to deal with everyone's critique of you or what other people have to say. You can easily block or delete those comments or do whatever it is that you want to do, but Get comfortable in sharing who you are, because once you start to get comfortable in sharing who you are, it becomes so much easier to just be who you are, wherever you are. And I hope this was helpful to you. If it was, please leave a review. If it wasn't, also please leave a review. As much as I would love all five-star reviews, not everything is always five stars. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. If you're on Spotify, I found out you can sign, not sign up, but you can turn on notifications so that way you'll know whenever I post a new episode. So what would help me if you would do that? and continue to listen. Share this podcast with anyone who you think would find it interesting or valuable. And as always, thank you so much for listening and supporting and just being there, out there, wherever you are, podcast family. So with that, have a great week, and I will see you next week with a guest. Peace!